so much. My name is Dee, I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege of uh, leading us this morning in um, stepping into the next part of our readings. For those of you that are guests this morning, it is so great to have you here. I don't want you to be lost in what's taking place. I know it was already mentioned that this is a unified service, which is um, something that happens uh, six or seven times a year. So if you came to the early nine o'clock hour and have been waiting for an hour and a half for the service, I am so um, honored that you stayed and uh, <laughs> hope that you maybe found a Sunday school class to join in and be part of. But it is great to be together. It's great to be with you. It's great to be on a journey together. And for those who don't know, we are in the process of reading through, as a church, the New Testament in eight weeks, and we're focusing much of what we do on those readings. So we've got midweek Bible studies, and we've got small groups that are gathering and talking about this, families that are discussing it and attempting to do it together, numerous resources online, and New Testament books that lead us in reading it in a slightly different order, or a very intentional order. Um, If you would like to follow along with what we're doing, we do both in our electronic newsletter, in the bulletin, in other ways, say what the upcoming readings are, or you can have one of these New Testament books that begins with Luke, goes into Acts, then jumps into uh, uh, Thessalonians and Romans and Corinthians, and this is some of the area where we have been these last three weeks. And so this last week, we concluded some of those readings that moved us from the historical books telling us the story of Jesus and the story of the work of the Holy Spirit in forming the church, the Acts of the Apostles, and then beginning to read some of the letters that give at least some more explanation and understanding of what was happening with the early church during that first century. I have been so privileged to be engaged in some wonderful conversations about what it has felt like to read through those passages, some of the very difficult passages, some of the inspiring passages, some of the overwhelming passages. I might make mention for those of you who are just finishing that up, the wonderful way in which Paul writes, he can be very Um, confrontive, he can be very encouraging, but it's also important to listen as he names his audience. The books, the letters to the church at Corinth, to me just kind of stand out as being very different in many ways from some of the other letters that he writes, but he tells us very clearly that he's writing to those who are little children in the faith. And I think about my own journey as a parent and how my conversations with my daughters when they were four, five, six, seven, eight years old, the way I would approach issues, the way I would state things, the way I would create certain boundaries is very different from the way I talk to them as 19, 20, 25, 28 year olds. The conversation is very different. And so when you read Corinthians, listen as Paul says, characteristics of the audience and how that might change the way in which he's addressing the church and how he might address us today if he wrote a letter. I would say one more thing, and that is if you have fallen behind or if you've not yet started, my encouragement is don't try and catch up. Just start in tomorrow with where we are. Join in now. We're not quite yet halfway. If you want to go back and read the rest of the stuff after we've gone through, do that. But you don't need to try and make up for lost time, and you don't need to feel like you've missed out. Start tomorrow with finishing out where we are and stay connected with the readings in this Bible. You can get out at the hub. There's an insert, a little... uh, bookmark that gives you the readings, or you can follow along with the different materials that we provide through our bulletin inserts and other means. So, we are finishing up this week with the end of Romans, the second half of Romans, 
Moving on to Ephesians, Colossians, then we go to uh, Philippians, Philemon, 1 Timothy, Titus, and 2 Timothy. This is a full week. But the readings are very, very manageable. About 11 pages in this book on a daily basis. And some of these letters are very, very short. But it's interesting to move from Paul's second half of Romans, where he's writing to the church in Rome, to then move to letters that he wrote as a prisoner in Rome, from Rome to others. So Paul gets arrested. He gets arrested because some local people raise all kinds of ruckus and accuse him of things that aren't true. And then he appeals as a Roman citizen to be tried in Rome. Well, he's already sent this letter to the church at Rome, which you on Monday read the last half of. And then on Tuesday, you jump in on letters that are written during his time of imprisonment. They are powerful letters. One of my favorites, Colossians. I, I, I love that letter, and I hope you do as well. But you have to move rapidly and keep going through some of these other letters. And when we get to 1 Timothy, Titus, and 2 Timothy, they are kind of personalized letters. Before you get to that, Ephesians, in particular, is this letter that was very obviously intended to circulate among a lot of believers, to be passed around, read at one church and then delivered to another church and have that other church at Laodicea read it, and read the letter that I sent to them. And so, some of these letters are intended for a broad audience, but then we have some letters that are real personal, written to friends, co-workers, Individuals who Paul knew well. Timothy in particular, a great co-worker. A person whom he loved and trusted. And so I want to tell you one of my favorite pieces of this personal letter to Timothy. It's the second letter. It's the letter that if you do follow day by day instead of do, doing binge reading like I do, I lump a bunch into one day very often. But if you're following day by day, Friday's reading will take you to 2 Timothy. At the very end of the last reading for this week, the closing four paragraphs are kind of the closing comments from Paul to Timothy. And in that first paragraph of this closing section on the very last day, Paul says to Timothy, please come and see me and bring my coat. Sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? This is his deep, powerful instruction to Timothy. I really need you to come visit me. Because I really need my coat. I don't know. It, it seems like, based on what we know about the calendar, that it was about time for winter to set in. He had left his coat for someone else to use. And he would like it back. And Timothy a great worker in the faith, all kinds of responsibilities, was charged with doing some very important things at the church at Ephesus. Paul's saying, if you can get over here, get me my coat as quickly as you can. He says, bring along some of those parchments as well, because I'd like to do some studying. I wonder what Timothy thinks when he receives this. Really, this is my assignment? This is what God has called me to do, is to carry someone's coat from the place they left it to where he wants it now. Now, I have to confess, this is not the only instruction that Timothy gets, but it seems like a very important one to Paul. My guess is that it feels very unimportant to Timothy, which raises the question for me, how many times have I felt like I've been involved in doing something that seems so unimportant, 
and I am tempted to whine, complain, blow it off, act like I didn't hear it, wonder if this is really why I went to school, what this has to do with anything that has to do with the kingdom. Because it feels so often that we want to do some great thing to make such a huge difference. This is a paraphrase of one of Mother Teresa's memorable sayings that God didn't call you to do great things. He called you to do small things with great love. The great line. I don't know how Timothy felt, my guess is Timothy's spiritual depth led him to deliver this coat with great joy. There is a long, long list of things that I can uh, describe where I have messed up, made the wrong choice, gone down a pathway that was whining or whatever the case might be. There was one time where I did something right, probably inadvertently more than intentional, I'm not sure. But it was one of those moments where God, years later, brought it back to me and left such an indelible impression on me that I hope it's changed the way I engage life forever. I was an interim youth fill-in for a youth group at a church my wife and I attended. Um, I was involved in a local area business. Um, That's why we moved to that location. But the person who had been in charge of youth had left and was no longer in charge. They just asked us to fill in as volunteers for a period of time. We did so. It was fun, joyful. One particular day, a group of about five teens asked me to meet them at a local state park area that had a nice swimming area. And they told me to meet them rendezvous at a particular place in the parking lot, which I did. They walked a direction away from the entrance, which took me off guard. And they came to a place in the fence where there was a nice hole that could be pulled back and you could go in without having to go through the main turnstile and pay the little entrance fee for being in the state park. And their quick explanation to me was that everyone does this. It's just they were certain that half the people that were in the park right now had come through that same spot, explanation after explanation. And I just smiled and I said, I'm sorry, I can't. You know, you thought my influence might have been strong enough with them that I would have guided them back and all of it would have been right. But They proceeded to go through the hole in the fence, and I walked back to the uh, ticket booth. And a little something inside of me, I just decided that I was going to not only purchase my ticket, but the five other tickets, and just keep them in my pocket in case they were ever challenged while we were in there. So that's what I did. It was the end of a good day, and we left. I think it was probably at least 10 years later. One of the young men from that youth group who happened to have been there on that afternoon was now in ministry in Indiana, and we crossed paths. And joking as we would, just a a wonderful gentleman. Um, He's still a pastor to this day and has visited here on a couple of occasions. But about 10 years after that incident, he came up to me and said, I just want you to know, it was a big deal for me when uh, I noticed you go back and not only purchase your own ticket, but purchase tickets for us as well. I don't know how he knew it. I don't know how he saw it. I don't know how that happened. But somehow, doing what felt like the right thing, which also felt like a really small thing, which also felt like an irritating thing. All of a sudden, given over to God and saying, I'll just try and do what feels like the right thing. God uses. Like I said, I could share a dozen other stories where I wasn't nearly as obedient as I should. 
but I have to say to you that carrying somebody's coat now feels far more like a privilege. Being asked to do something that seems pretty minor all of a sudden feels like the biggest thing in the world. Looking for opportunities to step into places where there's just the smallest of need. If somehow, someway, God's Spirit could help us to do it with great love, oh my goodness, what a world we'd be living in. Paul says, Timothy, could you bring my coat? My guess is it was the highest priority on Timothy's list. Here's something I can do. There's a whole bunch of stuff I'm not sure I can ever accomplish. But I know, I know, I can carry coats. I may not be the best at it, but I know, if asked, I can change diapers in the nursery. I know, I just know, if somebody needs me to move some dirt from one place to another, I can pull that off. And if I do it with God's love in the midst of it, nobody needs to know, nobody needs to see, somehow God multiplies and takes a small kernel that gets planted underneath the dirt, hidden from everyone else, and produces something magnificent that honors God. Because that's the goal. It's not my kingdom. It's not your kingdom come and your will be done. It's God's kingdom come. God's will be done. And those things happen when small seeds with great love get placed in the soil of God's presence to see amazing things take place. So, we have in this room dozens upon dozens of people who came to a pie auction and offered a small little kernel, a little seed, and said, I'll help and send someone to camp. Dozens upon dozens of people here who said, you know, a team going to Honduras, I'm not sure that I can go on that trip, but I bet I can contribute by praying for them, maybe adding a few dollars, giving a word of encouragement. I don't know if I can be a missionary in Haiti for two years. Certainly if God calls, God will provide a way, but I can lift up and help someone else who's making a difference and maybe I can make a difference if I do it with great love. So this morning, we want to share some of those amazing stories. And just by being here, you are part of the story. If this is your first Sunday, you just joined in the storyline. I'm sorry, there's no choice. You can't sneak out now. You are part of the story right now. And so I want, to see, I want you to see some of the seeds that have been planted, some of the things that have taken place. And this we don't always get to see, but this morning you get to see some of the fruit. That's not always what we get to see, but this morning we do. So we're going to kick off this morning with Eric, Eric Herrera. You're coming up here to tell us a little bit about children's camp. And my recollection was that this was not on your radar screen at all this summer. Is that true? Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is Timothy who got a note that said, not only do I need a coat, but could you go to children's camp? Wow, talk about trust and faith. Tell us a little bit about the story. Thanks, Eric. So,
way we're going to uh, end this service is um, by bringing to your attention one more area of ministry of which you've been a part for a long time. I'm going to invite Anthony Duclos to come up onto the platform with me and join me. Um, Anthony, I hope I got that set up right, but adjust it if you need to. Um, Some of you know Anthony and know him probably better than I do, but there are some here that probably have never even met Anthony or know anything about him at all. Anthony has been part of our church staff for almost or about 13 years, is that correct? Yeah. And when he first came, um, he came from Florida, where he still has some family members, and moved out here in the hopes of a couple things, but wanting to get some more education, and was quickly put in place as um, the pastor of the um, French Creole-speaking church at Mid-City. And shortly thereafter, or in conjunction with that, we hired him here to give oversight to our facilities. And so Anthony's journey here has been this interesting one of, during the week, ministering to all of us by helping to prepare and take care of all of the things that we get to use on Sundays and during the week, while at the same time pastoring a congregation in Mid-City. In the last few years, um, Anthony has given that ministry at Mid-City over to someone else, and this has become um, the home church for Anthony and Marietta, his wife, and his family. And it has been such a joy to have you as part of this fellowship. Anthony's connection to Haiti goes back to his childhood. So why don't you, just in case some of us don't know any of this story, what is the background? What's your connection to Haiti? Um, And fill us in a little bit on that. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, Since 1987, after my graduation in Fort Fort Lauderdale, Florida, my wife and I, we've been... uh, We've been involved in, in ministry in Haiti. That was really uh, the desire of our heart, and to be wherever the Lord wants us to be, remote area, wherever people don't really want to go, that's where we wanted to be. So we've been um, going back and forth to Haiti to start uh, new ministries and then train leaders. And once we find someone that you know, uh, can be the leader. We build a strong relationship with that person and then move to another place. And that's what we've been doing since we've been doing since we were in Florida when we come back here in San Diego, and that's what we've been doing as well. And your love for Haiti goes back to the point that that's your home country, right? Yes. You were born there and you still have family in Haiti. I still have family yeah. here. And one more piece of the history there were a couple churches that you helped to form that grew to a pretty significant size, and eventually you helped them become part of the Church of the Nazarene. Am I understanding that correctly? That's correct. Yeah, yes. wonderful. Well, tell us what's going to happen come October and beyond. Where are you heading, and what are you going to be doing? Our assignment will be uh, in Haiti. My wife and I, we will be uh, there for uh, evangelism, uh, discipleship, and self-sustainable ministry. That's what we'll be doing there. Fantastic. And my understanding is that initially you're going to go under the umbrella of True Shepherd Ministries, which has a wonderful focus specifically toward Haiti and and, uh, many different ministries there, but also anticipating that before long you will be on missionary contract with the general church. Is that correct? That's correct. Fantastic. And we wow. have the True Shepherd Ministry president is here, and I would like him to stand up yeah. so everybody can see Yeah, come on, please do. Stand up. We know you don't want Tim to, Hicks but thank Man. you. Who gives oversight to that? <laughs> Great to have you here. Yeah. Um, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about what God is in the midst of doing in your life now. What's happening now in your journey, your personal testimony that brings you to this place? Well, I was born in a uh, Christian home. And I was raised uh, in that home, but to tell you the truth, I uh, became a Christian when I was 17, because I thought once I go to church, that's it. I didn't need to, nothing else. So as I went to a uh, youth program, that's when I have learned that going to church is not enough. There is something else that needs to be done. 
And that's when I received Jesus Christ in my personal, as my personal Savior. Mm. And since then, I was stuck and condemned to serve the Lord. And to tell you the truth, nothing in this world will stop me from following or from the love of my God. Praise God. Since then. Praise God. <laughs> ah, thank you very much. It's wonderful. Anthony, it is an amazing joy to know you. You have inspired me in a hundred different ways. And your work among us, I think, has uh, set a tone of what it means to be a servant leader um, by the way you not only do your job here, but the way that you uh, do the work of the kingdom through your work as well as through your missionary effort. Um, this is ascending time for us. You're going to be around for uh, the rest of this month, and you will be in the area through September, so we'll see you through September. Um, but this has uh, been your home location for a while. Anything you want to say to us, any challenge you want to bring, anything you want to say before we take a few minutes to do a sending prayer for you and Marietta. Definitely. Uh, first of all, I would like to say thanks to God for giving me life. And, uh, you know, I would like to take this opportunity as well to express my sincere appreciation to Southern California District uh, for um, the warm welcome my family and I have received. So, I also want to say thanks to First Church members, staff members, and all of you congregation for only, uh, not only making me feel at home during my uh, 13 years here at the church, but uh, especially uh, for your humbleness and your step-by-step -step guidance that led me to mission fields today. I am so grateful for having had the opportunity to walk and worship with such an incredible group of godly people like you. Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, verse 43, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. As you know, for the past eight years, Southern California District has been very active in sending work and witness teams to many places in Haiti, especially to where I am from, the northwest corner of Haiti. As a result of your support to this isolated region, not only people are no longer worshiping on the trees or going two hours for water, but because of you, Nazarenes, mission-minded people, we have schools in the village. And more importantly, hundreds and hundreds of people have turned themselves from voodoo-worshipping habits to working with the Lord. However, however, others on which places need to be rich as well. I am so grateful to God for all he has done through you, Nazarenes. You have taught the people of Haiti that not only helping each other is serving God, but also helping is an eternal investment. Thank you so much. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Remember, brothers and sisters, in such a place where thousands and thousands of children are left with no parents, especially after the terrible earthquake in Haiti, in a country where 75% of the population is jobless. You can understand why True Shepherd Ministry is such a blessing to that country. Can you imagine living in a city where drinking water 
is considered as luxurious? Can you imagine what it would be like for you to live in a place where there are no nearby hospitals? Or can you envision living in a place where creatures are being worshipped instead of living God? That is why Two Shepherd Ministry, in partnering with the Church of the Nazarene, is so committed to evangelism, discipleship, and self-sustainable ministry among the least in that island. I believe we are saved so that we can reflect Christ's life in our daily work. That is what you've been doing, and thank you very much. In such dark and messy world we are living today, Christian cannot be, we cannot, we as Christian, we cannot afford to sit back and relax without sharing with the world who we really are in Jesus Christ. So, brothers and sisters, thank you and thank you for inspiring me mm. to mission. Thank you very much. Mm. I know that uh, some of you maybe weren't prepared when we took the offering as Melissa announced that the uh, loose offering of those things dedicated to Anthony would help support the ministry in Haiti. If uh, you still would like to contribute, you're more than welcome to do that. You can make it out to the church and somewhere in the notation uh, or somewhere on an envelope let us know that it's directed toward him and we will certainly make that happen. Your church board has set aside some funds that were raised for Haiti prior to this time for that work that Antony is going into. Uh, but more than that, we want to continue to be supporters of Antony's ministry and Marietta's ministry as well. They are both leaving soon for this. I'm going to invite Marietta to come up. I just Is she here? I have not yes, seen her. Here. There she is. Oh, my goodness. So wonderful to have you. Why don't you stand right down here? Right down here, Marietta. Right down here. And this is how we're going to close this service. I know that there are many who have prayed for, contributed, been affected by, impacted by the work of these two in so many wonderful ways. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you come right down the steps and stand right here so a lot of us can gather around you. And those who would be willing to commit to prayer today and as God leads you in time to come. I want us to just come up and circle. I'm going to have the band come up because they're in a moment going to play our closing song. I'm going to ask all of us to stand for a closing prayer and that closing song. But those that would like to circle around this wonderful couple, express your support and interest in their ministry. What a great time for this. Oh, thank you, everybody. How fantastic. We love you two so much. Amazing, amazing people. They set the bar pretty high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's all bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you and praise your name for how we have been recipients of your Spirit's presence through Marietta and through Antony for their lifelong commitment, for the ways in which they worked for your kingdom in Haiti, in Florida, at Mid-City, here at this church, but never losing sight of the amazing connections you have given them in Haiti and casting a vision whereby they might fulfill your purposes and partner with you in what's taking place. Thank you for the many believers that are already there because of their work, the churches that have already been established, the water that's already being distributed, the food and small businesses that have already been created. Lord, what amazing work in some of the most remote places of that country. People whom you love that are under your eyesight, well, Lord, we want to send these two with our blessing, with our support, with our encouragement, with our affirmation, certainly with a sense of loss because we will miss them. But Lord, it is as if everything has been building for this moment 
that everything has prepared them for this and us to support them. So Lord, as they go, go before them, prepare the way, give them accommodations, places of of, uh, meaningful work, opportunities to share the good news. Father, we are so grateful to be part of this storyline and may you continue to weave us together, separated by miles, but united by the spirit of your love and the commitment that they have that spreads to each one of us. Father, we praise your wonderful name for them and for the work that your spirit is doing through them. Amen. Amen.